Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his... <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave! <laughs> Dave! Dave smells like nougat! Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I am your host, Ralph Albro. As always, we are brought to you by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Andrew, LSU beat Arkansas. They are going to the NCAA tournament, so you need to go to the Pelican House. Take the day off work. Watch LSU in the NCAA tournament. Watch LSU baseball. Watch the Pelicans maybe get in the playoffs if they can beat garbage truck Eastern Conference teams like Milwaukee. Uh, the Pelican House, they have a great day. <laughs> they have a great Menu, 136 draft beers, uh, 50-foot TV, the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You should support them because they support us. Support us. All right. Yes, they do, Dave. So, all right. Um, Andrew just mercilessly, just as soon as the Mark Ingram contract was like on on the ticker, Andrew was just texting me like a son of a bitch. (laughs) Wrong, wrong, wrong. Mark Ingram got four years, $16 million. I said he would get three years, $10 million. I thought the running back market would be a buyer's market. I was wrong, Andrew. And I knew I was wrong when Frank Gore, who's like 100 years old, got almost $8 million guaranteed from the Eagles. I was like, I'm wrong. Mark Ingram's going to get a lot more than that. And I was like, he's not going to be with the Saints. But the Saints signed him. Um, but I'll start with you, Dave. He's your boyfriend. Uh, are you pumped? You're going to get like the – Best years of Mark Ingram's career now. All of them. You're going to get all we're, his prime years. We're besties. Well, we don't know if we're, we're going to get his prime years or not. Um, you know, last year was pretty good. I actually am a little concerned that last year was maybe his best year uh, ever. Let's hope not. Let's hope I'm wrong about that. Um, yeah, assuming the, the, the Saints can continue to use him effectively and use him the way he's probably most suit, best suited for. Um and as long as he can stay healthy, he we ought to see more great things from Ingram, which uh, should definitely have us all excited. Andrew, I said that when I saw the $7.6 million guarantee, or 7.96, I think it was, I was like, well, that's kind of a bad contract. But you were like, no, not really. It's just basically, it's basically kind of like two years, $8 million. 
is what it is. And then they. Yeah. Well, I just love as the off season progressed, Ralph, that you kept softening the blow. At first, you were like, "Oh, there's no way he's getting more than two million a year," and then two point five, and then you're like, "Oh, three, three million maximum." I like, that's what I and then I, I think you started even creeping up to three point five. You know, as the podcast kept rolling along, and I gave oh. you all these examples <laughs> of players that were making more than that, and you're like. Yeah, okay, okay, 3.5, maximum, maximum. <laughs> but uh, sure enough, he's uh, four, four million a year. Um, you know, he gets a nice, I think uh, it was about, what, eight and a half guaranteed. Um, so a nice little deal there for Mark Ingram. But yeah, like you said, not so bad of a deal. I mean, you'll remember even Jarris Bird, who got the huge contract, uh, his cap hit was only 3.5 million in year one. Um, this contract is totally, I think, fair. For Ingram, I think for for the value you get out of him, you know, assuming he can continue to be, you know, that 900, 1,000 yard back, a guy that plays a majority of the games and and can carry the load, as long as he does that, two million against the cap this year, uh, totally fine. Next year, 4.5 million against the cap, and you got to keep him the following year. And so, you know, as long as he's producing or maybe even getting slightly better, uh, you're totally fine with that. I think the big issue, of course, is if he gets injured, only plays five games, uh, then it's going to be a bad investment. But the, the Saints can get out of this contract in year three and save $2.7 million against the cap. Um, so really, for me, this, is, this adds up to a two-year contract if he doesn't live up to it. Um, yeah. And, of course, they'll keep him around for year three uh, if he's kind of performing at, at the same level or getting better than what he is now. And then it's worth it. Um, and then year four, he probably will never see. Yeah, I mean, the running back market, it just – and Buffalo went nuts. They traded for LaShawn McCoy and gave him like $25 million guaranteed. I just – Dave, I was just – I just – I mean, let me ask you this. Frank – I'd rather Frank – I'd rather Mark Ingram than Frank Gore, and they basically kind of got the same deal. But going forward, Dave, do you think re-signing Ingram – do you think it? Do you think they would still maybe get a running back in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round of the draft, or are they going to sort of ride with Ingram, Robinson, and just the free <laughs> guy they find in the dumpster? I mean, considering how well they've done uh, after the draft in, in undrafted free agency, you know, uh, looking at Kyrie Robinson and and uh, and Chris Ivory and, and all those other guys, they've had in the recent past, uh, I would say they'll do just fine if they want to try and find a guy um, uh, after the draft and not even, not even use a draft pick. You know, at this point, I just kind of feel like running backs are, you know, a dime a dozen. And as far as Frank Gore is concerned, I, I mean, comparing Mark Ingram to Frank Gore is, uh, that's like comparing apples to oranges. I mean, Frank Gore just got a four-year deal. I don't even know if he's going to play. I don't even know if he's going to, be in the league for four years. I mean, he's really getting up there in age. Uh, um, so I, I would much, I mean, much got, rather have Ingram than Gore. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the contract... Gore's been a lot more productive and durable for a long period of time than Ingram. But that just means his time is coming to an end. Yeah, well, no, for sure. The, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the thing that would worry, I mean, if, if you're the Eagles and you gave him a similar contract, the, the stats say... Well, it sounds like Gore's having second thoughts, by He's, the way. Yeah, it sounds like he might be going to Indy. He yeah. might be going to Indy. And Indy, they make – that means it's a terrible – I mean, they traded for Trent Richardson. They wouldn't – they're like the Saints and linebackers. They wouldn't know a good running back <laughs> if they were having dinner uh, with Hall of Famers. But um, 
Speaking yeah, of, I'm, well, I mean, one thing just to point out about this Ingram deal too. Remember, the Saints declined on his option, which was one year, five million. And now you look at a contract in year one, his cap hit is less than half of what it was. You know, if they had picked up that option, and in year two and year three, his cap number still not five million. Um, so right. you know, and year four is the only year. And like I said, it's unlikely that Ingram would see that contract for year four, but. Um, and year four is the only year where his cap value would be more than five million. And the only way he'll keep that that cap number in year four is if he performs like Adrian Peterson. So, yeah, I mean, the- right. it was it was it was a smart it was a smart move on that front. And I think it was also a smart move because, you know, I, I think it just gives it gave him a little extra motivation uh, last season being a contract year and knowing that he didn't get that extension and he's got to he's going to. Uh, play for a a new big contract so i think from a motivation standpoint too it was this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the win Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. It was a good move not to give him that extension. Yeah, and I mean, Andrew, how do you feel if I told you the top three running backs for the Saints in 2015 are going to be Ingram, Robinson, and Cadet? How do you feel about it? Uh, not good. Um, you know, obviously, for me, Robinson, I mean, no one's really talking about this, but I feel like Robinson kind of you know, just didn't didn't perform up to the level last year that he did the year before. I, I felt like it, he, he kind of declined a little bit. So he had two, he had two nice playoff games. He, he did, but he did. But, um, you know, I, I just, you know, he was good in the Tampa game, obviously, where he had the game winner. But then he got injured, and he came back, and he wasn't very effective. So, for me, first of all, I'd like to see Robinson come back um, to the level that he was. Um, Cadet, for me, you know, I, I'd really like to see Jalen Saunders be the special teams guy. And Cadet does have good hands. I mean, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. But um, I, I'd really like to see the Saints um, pick up one, maybe two guys out of this draft. Um, as, even undrafted guys. I mean, they've been successful finding guys from small schools that are productive running backs even after the draft. But in this offseason, at some point, they don't have to be expensive players, but I would like to have uh, more more guys in the mix, in the stable, um, to kind of spell. Because Ingram and Robinson, I mean, if those are your two ball carriers, 
Um, I mean, we, we saw both of them get hurt at points last year. You know, they're yeah. not going to both make it through the season 100% healthy. So yeah. they need they need some depth. Yeah, I, right. I, agree, I agree with Andrew that they need depth, but it's not, not a concern for me whatsoever. I can pretty much guarantee you that come late training camp, we're all going to be talking about some running back that we've yeah. never heard of that Agreed. went undrafted. We're going to be like, oh, he's got to make the team. He's got to make the team. Well, Dave, what about Cadet? Do you do you think he is on the 53-man uh, roster I mean, opening day? You know, he's more of a special teams guy. Uh, I mean, he, he's not in the same mold as like Kyrie Robinson. I, I like to have, I like them to have another just sort of a power guy. But um, you know, Cadet's certainly worth his salt and all right. You know, good to keep around. They released Pierre Thomas. Um, it, <laughs> oh, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. Um, my question is, though, did they get – did they release Pierre Thomas a year too early, and does he have anything uh, left? I'll start with you, Andrew. Do you think he'll get on a team and be sort of productive this year? Um, yeah, I think if he gets in the right situation, I, I, still, I definitely still think he has – gas left in the tank i mean I, I thought he was productive last year he didn't see the ball much but you know i think he had what 4.9 per carry and he was catching the football as well as ever i mean he put the team on his back in the first tampa game um and basically won it for him so um no i i definitely still think and you know i, I think if you look at pt's treads uh you know he doesn't have a lot of mileage on them you know you look yeah. at a lot of these seasons he's been a platoon back he's not a guy that's taken a ton yeah. of hits um, so I think he can maybe age a little bit more gracefully than a guy like, I don't know, Frank Gore, who who takes 300 hits a year. Um, so I, I think he, he could still be productive for someone. I mean, I don't think he's going anywhere and rushing for 500 yards, but I think, you know, he's a guy that can be productive and help someone win games for sure. <laughs> Dave, Pierre Thomas yeah. is a he's a he's a first ballot lock Hall of Famer, right, for the Saints? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, not only from what he's done on the field, but for what he's done off the field and, and for the way fans feel about him. Uh, I see uh, no reason why he won't be in the same Hall of Fame. All right. I, I did this list and you guys can feel free to argue, but I made a list of the top five individual Saints performances of all time. At number five, I had Aaron Brooks playoff game. All you people that want to denigrate Aaron Brooks – he threw four touchdowns in a playoff game, two to Robert Wilson, two to Willie Jackson. Joe Horn hurt his ankle in the first play, I think, and he started a 50-year-old Terry Allen and won a playoff game, the Saints first. That's number five on my list. Number four is Drew Brees, Monday night against New England, 2009, perfect quarterback rating. As far as the pure, awesome Drew Brees game, that's my number one, but that's four on my list. Number three was Deuce. Playoff game, 2006, Philadelphia, dragging yeah. people all over the place. I had Pierre Thomas, number two, NFC title game, 2009. He had 120-something total yards, two touchdowns, the kickoff return in overtime, the first down on fourth and a foot in overtime where the Saints didn't block it where the shit and Pierre Thomas still got it. And Drew Brees' Super Bowl was number one. Uh, An- Andrew, can you argue with me? putting that in the top five well i i mean first of all i five, drew Brees's five best games as a saint or one through five <laughs> i'm pretty confident <laughs> but but that being said uh 
you know, I mean, really in that whole playoffs, Pierre Thomas in the NFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl, he, he just had a stretch there um, where he was really playing his best football. And, you know, Pierre Thomas also early in his career had, had a game, I think it was against the Bears late in the season oh, yeah. uh, on the road where he might have had 100 yards rushing and yep. receiving in the same game. So yeah, uh, that, that was like that, that 08, me. I think. Yeah. So that that strikes me as a game where he, he was he, he was excellent. But um, I mean, there's just so many good memories. I mean, of course, with him, the screen passes uh, was his trademark. Those were kind of the screens. That that's what he was so good at, setting up the blockers, getting to the second level, always breaking the tackle of the first guy that tried to bring him down. Um, and like Dave said, it hurts, man. It, you know, I mean, we, we kind of went through this last year. I mean, some people were happy to see Jenkins and Harper go. But, I mean, even with Lance Moore and – Darren Sproles. I mean, it's hard to see those guys go, but for me, Pierre Thomas, it was worse. Yeah. It really was. And he's the he's the original. Uh, we can find a running back in a dumpster. You know, he's yeah. the he's the yeah, original yeah. guy. And yeah. you know, his first touchdown with the Saints was off a blocked punt in 2007 against Seattle when the Saints were 0 and 4. Um, so I mean, I just. I, it, it's disappointing to me because I wrote a column last year that I said if Pierre Thomas, if he could have had, if he could have had two more years like he had in 2013, he would have been able to argue. You would have been able to argue that he's the best Saints running back of all time because he could he would have got to second on the rushing list. He would have been a top 10 in yards all time receiving, uh, and people thought I was crazy. So he won't get there, but I definitely think he's a lot first ballot lock Hall of Famer, and he might even be top 15 all time guys yeah yeah well you know it's a it's a bummer because i feel like he still like i said he still has something left in the tank he, he can still contribute and 1.5 million you know he you, you can argue that he's maybe not worth that anymore but the bottom line is this if the saints didn't have cap issues he, he'd be staying you know if they didn't need to create some room i mean he's expendable because they have robinson because they have ingram um but uh so they have depth at that position, but I just think 1.5 million for what he brings to you um, is not a huge amount. And if it was a team like some of these teams that have 30, 40 million in cap room, they'd keep him. Uh, it'd be a no-brainer to well, keep him on the team. So well, that's, that's a bummer. That's a good segue uh, to cap issues. The Saints they cut Curtis Lofton today. They cut David Hawthorne over the weekend. Uh, I don't. Is Hawthorne official? I haven't gotten official word on that. Maybe not. But I don't think like, Hawthorne's 100 percent likely, but let's just yeah. let's just say he is. Um, so, Dave, who are the Saints going to start at linebacker? Well, hold on. I mean, they they restructured Colston. They restructured Bunkley. They restructured Gillette. Um, so we want to make sure we got oh, all they the restructured Gillette. I didn't see that. Yeah, he got his yeah, uh, he got his roster bonus changed into signing bonus today. Mm. Which so gave that's... It, that's what put him under the cap. That gave the team about 10 million in cap room. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, you know, earlier this week or, or the, over the weekend, we learned that, uh, the saints were quote unquote in play, uh, for Sean Weatherspoon, which I wasn't necessarily crazy about that idea. Um, obviously Weatherspoon decided to go to the Cardinals, um, which I mean, I could see they've got a great defense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, Andrew said before, or, or, or maybe I think maybe that was you, Ralph, who's going to start at linebacker, Ronald Powell. Uh, I mean, so far, it's so it's not so good. Uh, you know, I think obviously the Saints the don't back- start. But here's the thing. And this is a tweet from Jeff Duncan. And 
will give him credit. The Saints, under Sean Payton and Joe Vitt, they don't start young linebackers. You look at it from 2006 to now, Simino, Shanley. I mean, they they Vegeta, brought in Vilma. Yeah. I mean, they don't start young linebackers. They just don't. Well, I mean, there's got to be some plan here because I have not seen from from the current from the current linebackers on their roster. I haven't seen anything that was. Well, Andrew, what what do you, I mean? Do you, what do you what do you think they're going to do at at linebacker? Uh, that puts my uh, they've got a plan. Dave, you're cutting in and out. Um, well, look, I, I hope that uh, I can't imagine that the plan is to. Go ahead, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't think the three. Well, I, I if we're gonna count Galette and Paris Harrelson as linebackers, well, obviously Harrelson is, but I, I think Harrelson is, is, on running downs, I, I think he's still in the mix, and I think Galette, of course, is the pass rusher. If you count him as a linebacker, he's going to be there. So um, I think – and by the way, I think that, that bonus uh, money that he took today um, means he's going to stick around. So yes, I do think he'll be with I think he'll be with the Saints this year. But um, I, I really think, you know, I, there were some comments that Sean Payton made during the season. Uh, and, you know, he usually doesn't give tidbits like this, so I was surprised to hear him say this during the season. Um, but they asked him, you know, what's wrong with the defense? You know, what, what do you feel like personnel-wise is an issue? And he said, well, I, I just don't think we have enough speed to the ball. Um, and to me, when I hear him say that, um, that immediately makes me think our linebackers are too slow. And, um, you know, so I, I, you look at Hawthorne, you look at Cole, or sorry, Lofton, the two guys that really are physical guys, um, and you look at how well the Saints were stopping the run in the trenches – uh, they weren't really. And so I, I think if you're not going to be able to stop the run well with big physical linebackers that don't maybe run as well as some other guys out there, um, then I, I, I sense that maybe the Saints are going in a direction of being like, you know what, we're going to be younger and athletic, more athletic. We're going to have guys that, that roam to the football and they're going to be aggressive and maybe they won't be as disciplined. Maybe they won't be as good against the run, but you know, we're going to get more plays out of them. And so uh, I wonder if this is the year maybe that we see uh, that change uh, I'm gonna and throw a commitment out, to younger linebackers. I'm going to throw out a couple of names because we know that the Saints, they, they can create some cap room, but they're not going to they, – they don't have Philadelphia Eagle-type money where they can well, go b- out. Before you even throw out a name, I'm just going to say – I've said this since the beginning of the offseason. I really think Bruce Carter of the of – the Damn it, out, Andrew, that was my name. Yeah, I mean he, he was drafted by Rob Ryan. He – he, they, they've since switched to a 4-3. He's kind of a better fit in a 3-4. Rob Ryan likes him. I mean, if you look at his 40 time at the combine when he came out of college, he's real fast. Um, so I, I just think when you think of all those things, he, he, he makes a lot of sense for the Saints. And we talked about speed and we talked about playmaking ability. Um, the guy had five interceptions last year, and I think the Saints as a team had 12. Um, Thank you. So Here's you know, that's a guy game. that I think could come to them. He he was Super Bowl MVP, but he kind of stunk this past year for Seattle. Oh, the Seahawks guy, yeah. Malcolm Smith. Yeah. I mean, because you look, you can't, you can't. They they're not gonna. The thing is, Dave, they're not gonna be able to fill every hole that they have with five to six million dollar players. So they're gonna have to, you know, they're gonna have to patch the hole up with duct tape here or duct tape there. So they're gonna have to get names. But and Dave, I won't ask you for names, but. If you are the Saints and you're Mickey Loomis and you look at this defense, 
and you only have X amount of dollars to spend, obviously, with the cap, where do you commit most of your money? Do you go corner or do you go linebacker or do you go other place? Well, I, I think if, if, if history is any indication um, from what we've seen, I feel like the way the Saints usually operate in free agency is they they spend a whole bunch of money on one big guy. They, they go out and get one guy that you thought was out of their price range and out of their league, and they wind up signing him. Then um, they go and get one, maybe two mid-level guys, and then the rest is just kind of fluff stuff. Um, and that seems to be kind of their MO in free agency. Yeah. So, you know, the problem is, is now without Curtis Lofton at linebacker, they have what I would consider just as equally a larger hole at linebacker as they do at that. As bad as 2011 linebackers? <laughs> uh, potentially, potentially. I mean, at least in 2011, they had Vilma. Um, you've got nobody. Uh, it, my problem with releasing Lofton and also releasing Pierre Thomas is. And everybody. Go ahead, Dave. Do we was trying to pinpoint. Did you lose me? I don't know. I'm still here. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Okay. You know, my 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 big issue is, and, and you can mark my words on this and, and take a note of this, and but at the end of the 2014 season, at the end of last season, when everybody was pointing fingers and looking and looking to pinpoint what was wrong with the team and, and where this last season went wrong, the general consensus was it was a leadership issue. We heard it from a lot of people. I was at a uh, function, a private function, and Zach Street happened to be there, and he happened to be talking, and, and he said that exact same thing, which is something he's told the media, so it's no big surprise that leadership on this team uh, was the issue. So I don't understand how cutting Curtis Lofton, your defensive captain and a leader on the team, and cutting Pierre Thomas, uh, uh, an eight-year veteran on the team, I don't get how these moves are solving that problem. I think they're worse off now than they were in last season as from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, not to mention and- Junior Gallet's coming back. He's and Junior Gallet is coming back. Who 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 was your captain? And I don't know whether he's going to still be your captain. My guess would be no. So, I so they have done nothing to solve that problem. And in fact, I think they've made that problem more worse. Yeah. So that's that's my that is my huge concern. Uh, you know, you can go out and sign some some free free agent linebacker or cornerback or whoever. Um, and he may be a veteran player in the NFL, but he's not necessarily a veteran in the Saints locker room. He's got to get to know everybody in the Saints locker yeah, room. Yeah, I mean, Jer- Jarris Bird, Jarris Bird wasn't a captain this past year. No. I mean, yeah. the only potential captains I see is Cam Jordan could be a captain. Uh, Keenan Paris Lewis. Harrelson. Keenan Lewis. Paris Harrelson, but he doesn't. He only he only plays like 40 percent of the time. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. Maybe. Maybe Raphael Bush, maybe. Oh come on! I mean, this is this is you know this is ridiculous. Well, did uh, you guys see the rumor today that he might be trade bait? Raphael I Bush. I, mean, I don't know how many. I people don't like would really... I don't like that at all. I I mean, to me, the way the NFL is going, I know the the, the Rob Ryan get weird defense. People made fun of it, but there was a there was a little bit of truth in it. I, I personally. I like the depth that they have at safety, and his deal was two years. I, I don't – if I'm not getting a third-round pick for him, I'm not moving him, Bush. Right. 
so but but going 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 back to what I was saying, my, my my point is is like this past weekend when everybody was debating whether the Saints should sign Weatherspoon or not, everybody was kind of viewing it as because of the rumors about Lofton potentially being trade bait and everybody thinking Lofton wasn't going to be around. Everybody was saying everybody was pretty much equating signing Weatherspoon would be like replacing Lofton. It, it, it was an either or situation. Yeah. And I talked about this on Canal Street Chronicles. Why does it have to be an either or situation? For as long as I can remember, under the Sean Payton era. The Saints front office and the Saints coaching staffs, it's almost like they feel like they're only allowed to have one good linebacker. You know, it was it was Vilma and it was Lofton and then it was potentially maybe going to be Weatherspoon. Why do they feel like they can only have one good linebacker, usually being the middle linebacker? And then why do they have to feel like they have to just fill the rest with, you know, fluffy crap with with regular, you know, Joe Schmo lunch pail guys? Why, why? 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 They seem to have this mindset. Why can't they change their mindset? Why can't they realize that they're allowed to have more than one decent okay. or good linebackers? And I, I when we were talking about Weatherspoon. I didn't understand why couldn't they get Weatherspoon and keep Lofton? I haven't heard nothing about potentially yeah. uh, renegotiating Lofton's contract and keeping him. Well, well that was right now they're, they're right now they're going to have neither. Well, <laughs> no, I understand exactly was, exactly, but I don't understand. I don't understand why renegotiating with Lofton wasn't an option. That's why, why was that's it? the thing. Did did he have the that's the, that's what I asked on Twitter. Dave. Did he have the choice? And I feel like I know. Twitter, oh, I'm sure he did. I, I, I'm sure he was a pro. I mean, I, I can I can't you would hope. it, but I, I would think he, that he was approached. About lowering well, so his cap we, number, and he said no. Here's the thing with with Lofton, and I know Twitter is not representative of the fan, the whole fan base, or whatever. But I felt like on Twitter today, people denigrated Lofton, and I felt like the Saints, they pretty much got what they paid for out of him. We knew what he was when they got him. He was a good run stuff and linebacker, and he was a huge upgrade from what they had, and Andrew, I feel like they pretty much got what they paid for. I mean, he didn't necessarily exceed, but I don't feel like he was a failure in any way. No, no, no. I mean, the guy was a tackling machine. I mean, you can argue that he was a liability in coverage, and that's totally fair. You can argue that he sometimes took bad angles and and, uh, missed tackles, and, and, you know, he, he did some of that. But the bottom line is, I mean, you look at his tackling total. I think he was number three in the NFL this year. In total tackles. I mean, the dude was a tackling machine. I mean, he was right up there with Luke Keekley in terms of number of tackles. Um, you know, and I think everyone views Keekley as pretty much the best linebacker in the league. So I'm not comparing him. And I realize the tackle totals, you know, just sheerly looking at a number uh, doesn't tell the whole story. But I think when you look at the Saints and how they performed up front this year, you know, especially when John Jenkins got in there and Bunkley got hurt, if you look at how Akeem Hicks played this year. If you look at how the tackling in the secondary was, I mean, Lofton had no help this year. And I, I think it's unfair to point to his shortcomings and his liabilities and say that he sucks when everything around him is falling apart. Um, yeah. That's not his fault. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm just so, so far I'm, I'm just not crazy about the direction that this seems to be going. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure once tomorrow 4 PM hits and, and free agents start getting signed, I'm sure the saints are going to sign some sparkly guy and we'll be like, Ooh, wow, that's great. But, but again, I, I, I just want to reiterate, re- reiterate this, the leadership thing. Uh, concerns you. It's yeah, absolutely huge. Uh, no, it does. Well, and, and the issue, the issue guys is that Lofton, you know, for what he is, he he's not worth nine million dollars. I mean, he's no. just not. And if he if he if he's taking up nine million of cap space, it's just too much. And 
Um, the, the one point I'll make is, you know, where there's a lot of talk about cap hell and, and there's a lot of talk about the financial position that the Saints are in. And the bottom line for me is this. Um, they're in it right now. I mean, look, yes, they, they cut aging veterans. They got rid of guys that were big parts of their locker room. I mean, you look last year, they got rid of um, Roman Harper, Jabari Greer. I mean, Vilma, guys that maybe weren't producing anymore anyway. Will Smith, I mean, it was time to move on from those guys. Lance Moore, Darren Sproles. But, you know, obviously I would argue they're, they're, the- they're in the middle of this now. I mean, they're, they're having to cut Lofton because he yeah. makes too much money. And they, they can't afford to pay him because I mean, of the cap situation there. Andrew, the only guy on that list that you – the only one that I think really, really hurt them is – Sproles? No, Jabari Greer. Oh, Greer if Jabari yeah. Greer doesn't break his leg well, – He retired hitting, anyway, so yeah. – No, but I mean I don't think – if he doesn't get injured hideously against San Francisco, he was playing pretty good. They'd have probably bought, brought him back at corner, Andrew, I think. I agree. And I they, agree. And, and it wouldn't the, – the, the, the second corner wouldn't have, been a, wouldn't have been a black hole, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, but my – so my point here, Ralph, is that when you look at the cap situation with the Saints, uh, they got rid of a lot of players last year. It was a problem, and they went 7-9. and nine. You know, they, they, they didn't have a good season on the heels of that. And now you look at losing. You're already a bad defense. Yeah. You're 31st in the NFL. You just cut arguably the best player on that unit. Um, and the, your captain uh, when, when leadership is already an issue. And uh, you, you cut really the heart and soul of, of the offense in terms of leadership and in terms of, yeah. you know, besides Breeze. I mean, I put PT up there with Colston, you know, in terms of what he offers the locker room so um you know you, you wonder what impact that's going to have i agree with dave and you know i think you talk about the cap and how it doesn't affect the saints i mean it's not that they can't sign players it's not it's not that they can't continue to go on and, and, and add talent to the roster but um losing players like this has an impact it's, we've, it, we've it's, already it's who seen they're, that happen. Who they're being forced to get rid of yeah. yeah and it just it you know you can even if they have a good draft it just wrecks your depth you know you just don't you, you you're you're having to fill the your, your well fourth that's and that's fifth the corner. so that's the issue you have to hit you yeah. have to hit on these draft picks and you look at last year their big investment was Jarris bird that was a com- colossal flop and the draft was a colossal flop and so yeah. you look at Stanley Jean-Baptiste, number two draft pick. That's a guy that you needed to come in, start for you, and produce as a second-round draft play. pick. And had at he done play. that, the Saints would have had a second number two corner, and defensively they would have been much better off for it. Yeah. Instead, he doesn't see the field at all. And so so y- your margin for error when you're up against the cap is much smaller. You have to draft well, and the, the few free agents that you invest in have to be hits. Yeah. Um, By the way, this is this is the difference between me and you guys. Ra- Ralph mentions Jabari Greer and her getting injured. Uh, obviously, I remember Jabari Greer getting that injury uh, and it ending his career. But you two Rain men know like what game it was and against who it was. <laughs> I couldn't have told you that that was a game against San Francisco. I just I don't really remember that kind of shit. But you two fucking vault heads like just retain stupid <laughs> useless information. My wife is looking at me going, "Yeah, you can't fucking remember our anniversary, but you can remember a fucking game." <laughs> but here's the thing I want to I want to just rant about for a minute. I fought with like six people on Twitter this weekend about people wanting to take they're like Drew Brees needs to be a leader. And and take a pay cut if he cared about winning. And it drove me nuts because here's the thing. Saints fans, you want uh, 
You don't give a shit about bad players when when their when their production dipped. Nobody said, "Oh, that poor Jason David. The Saints should have honored his contract. He signed a deal. They should honor it." You know, or Pierre Thomas. Oh, they should have honored his deal. So you want the Saints? It's okay for the Saints to cut players when they're descending, and you want good players when they're at their peak to take less money to help the team. So when is it okay for this player? To do what's best for them in a career that's very short. You know, you say the players are being selfish. You're fucking being selfish. You don't care about the player. All you care about is the Saints winning. And I'm not saying it's not – you can think that way. Just acknowledge that you don't give a shit about the players and you're being selfish and you just want the Saints to win. And that's what I was trying to say on Twitter. And people just came at me fucking strong all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And they were one guy tweeted at me one word leadership twenty six million I win I'm like what the fuck but anyway that's my rant on Drew Brees well uh, one one point about Brees that I think people need to educate themselves on is it might not have been to the team's benefit to tweak that deal this year I think next year they will get more benefit um, out of potentially maneuvering that deal to give themselves some space so. Um, yeah, I, I don't think necessarily this was the year to do it, you know, so you got to think about from a management standpoint, it, you know, Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, is this the year that they want to restructure that deal? I don't think it is. Yeah. I mean, they, and the thing is the long, I mean, if he, if he has another year, let's say he's in a, he's a top 10 quarterback again, and if he's healthy, healthy, he probably will be like you say, Andrew, then he's going into the last year of the deal. Then they can really restructure that thing. And maybe, the 2013 draft class turns around and you feel like the Saints, maybe they wouldn't, you wouldn't feel like they were one player away. But, you know, if he can give them oodles of capital, maybe they can go with, got, go out and get two or three guys and make one last shove at it, you know? Yeah. I just I just feel like with, with – and, and Peyton Manning did give, give back money, Dave. But with Brady, when he does his deal – he doesn't just give the Patriots money back. I mean, they they guaranteed some of his money, and they made it easier for him to exit when they cut him. So he'll have more, you know, it'll be an easier exit ramp if he wants to leave New England. I mean, these players do these deals, but it's not always a, an exact one-way street where the players just hand the team a bag of money. You know, the players get yeah. something too in these redos. Right. Um. Dave, me and Andrew were talking about it. Uh. On the ride home, and you know, we were talking about, and me, we are in agreement that uh, the Saints uh, desperately need help at corner. But I made the argument. I think about, all of who that nation is in, is in agreement with that. But here's the, here's the question: Bec- are, are, Is there a problem at corner so deep that if if the Saints say say they could carve out ten million dollars, would you rather go out and get? One guy at nine million to ten million, or would you would you roll no, the and dice I'll, and I'll, two? No, and I'll cite I'll no no to your first option. I didn't even listen to your second option. <laughs> but I'll take it because uh, because 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 uh, following through with the first scenario that you mentioned uh, puts you in position to uh, for another Jarris Bird type situation. Um, you know, j- just like my drafting philosophy um i i'm all about uh, i think getting more for your money and and i i think other than you know i was listening to some i don't even remember who it was some sports talk guy some national sports talk guy and i agree with it he basically 
said there's only two or maybe three positions um, which you should be paying these large contracts for. It's quarterback, um, you know, maybe a, a left tackle, a, maybe. Yeah, he didn't say left tackle, but I would say left tackle. And, you know, maybe like a defensive end guy because he's the guy that gets to the quarterback. But, I, you know, I think in this game, I think football is just as much about um, motivation and uh, and all that stuff as, as it is about talent. And I just feel like and I, that's why that's why teams like the Patriots and the Seahawks have been so successful. They're not getting the most talented guys. They're not getting you don't ever see these huge free agents um, becoming available from the from the Patriots and uh, and getting signed by other teams because they, they they do all this. They have all this success with just mediocre guys who know their role, who have a role, yeah. who do their job. And and so forget trying to overpay one cornerback uh, well, to fix the situation. Go get two or three well, here's the, decent guys who are motivated, who are hungry. And even if one of them is just works out, you've already you've solved your problem. Here's the here's you the and, and anyway I, by signing the guy for nine million dollars, and you and get it for cheaper. I I agree with you, Dave, and I thought that's what they would do. But Andrew, as you can tell. I cannot judge the free agent market. I couldn't judge it in running backs. <laughs> and it's gone crazy. You think it's crazy at running back. It's, it's batshit insane at corner. And yep. the Tremont Williams, the Coxes, the Carters, the, Cox. the, the, the corners that, that we thought – I thought you could get for like – Three years, like fifteen million, and I thought the Saints could squeeze out a room and you know, Tremont Williams, he's older, so maybe you could get him at like five, and then you could get like Cox for San Francisco at like at like four, and you could get two of them. The market's insane. Flowers, who got cut from Kansas City, re-signed with San Diego, he got nine. So this cornerback market, Andrew, I don't know if you're going to be able to get like two mid-price. The guys that we thought were like five million are going to be like. Are they going to be like seven and eight? Are teams just going to get desperate as more and more of them sign away? I don't know. I still feel like we're in that first wave of free agency where stupid money gets thrown out. And you, you haven't really heard about the Saints being players with any of these big names. And Kareem I, I Jackson think, was a rumor. Yeah, Kareem was the one name that was thrown out there. But I think you know Loomis is letting the market settle and then – you know, I, I think it comes back down to reality pretty quick. I think the teams that want to spend, they spend their big, big money, you know, yeah. day one, day two, and they really get those high ticket guys that, uh, you know, come off the market immediately. But then, you know how it is, like at three, four days in, it starts to really slow down in free agency. And then all of a sudden, instead of like rapid fire, 15 guys that are off the market in an hour, you're really hearing about maybe – two, three guys a day getting signed. And so uh, once that starts to slow down, the market crashes pretty quick. And uh, that's what I'm hoping we'll see. You know, we'll see teams, the realistic teams, you know, uh, I don't know that the Saints are going to be able to get, you know, that corner that's that's just incredible. But I think once the market settles, um, they'll be able to get some guys that can help. Well, them. So, we have Twitter questions galore, so I'm just going to start with them. Um, this, Kevin didn't show up tonight because he had a wrestling board meeting. That's a bull. That's a, that's a I'm meeting. laughing because there's a board for wrestling. That is a board for semi-pro amateur East St. Louis wrestling. Allie Marie, who, by the way, donated. And when Kevin shows up next week, Allie made the proper level of donation to hear Kevin rant for 45 seconds about driving I-55. But he was a 
not a man of his word and didn't show up tonight, but he'll do it next week, Allie. We promise. We thank you for donating. People, we are up to $110 for our computer fund. We need $700. Right. Go to the page and donate what you can, God damn it. My computer makes a grinding noise every time it starts, and one of these times it's not going to start, and you're not going to get a you're not going to have a podcast. Isn't Grinder one one of those sites that it is? Well, that's a good question because Ali's question is, which is more likely, Andrew, the Saints striking gold on the first round draft pick, or Kevin striking gold on Tinder? <laughs> well, you know, no offense to Kevin, you know, I, I think he's a catch. I think he he's a charming guy that. Uh, and, and, and any St. Louis lady would be lucky to have. Um, but uh, I think when you're picking 13 and you've got the depth that you have in this draft and you've got a couple quarterbacks and a couple receivers uh, that are probably going to get picked and knock some of that defensive talent down the board, offensive line talent down the board, um, the Saints are going to have s- some nice options at 13. I, so think- I, I really think they get a – great player i think they're gonna to me i think the draft i don't you never know the player but i think it's gonna be a pass rusher because like we said you can go out and get a corner and free agent you can go out and get linebackers and free agent you really can't go out and get that defensive end stud pass rusher because teams just don't let them leave you know so i think it's there but dave this is from Ryan. He asks, what will happen at Airline Drive the day we aren't able to punt the can down the road? Mass chaos? Well, you know, I, I think Andrew sort of spoke to that earlier. Um, you know, I think Andrew believes, and I think it was a convincing argument, and I probably have to agree with him, that, uh, you know, it might not be so bad um, in the future, like with with, with the salary cap continuing to increase, and it's going with, up like ten million every year. And, yeah. and, and, and with Drew Brees um, at some time in the future not being on the payroll and, and all that, so uh, you know what? I'm really not as 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 worried about it as I was maybe even two weeks ago, to be honest with you. So I am. I've been totally converted to your attitude, Dave. Of Mickey Loomis is – people always complain, and Mickey Loomis always finds a way. Don't worry about the cap. Worry about number nine not being an elite quarterback anymore because when yeah. that happens, <laughs> that's when the party's officially over. Until then, the Saints can always work it, twist it, get in the playoffs, maybe make a run. You never know. Tell the Giants won a Super Bowl at nine and seven. So, yeah, the, Sa- the Saints didn't go seven and nine last year because of their cap situation. They went seven and nine because Jarris Bird got hurt, and Akeem Hicks and Kenny Vaccaro and Junior Gallet and and all those guys Regrets. fell off a cliff, and they yeah. didn't have a number two corner, um, and Champ Bailey didn't work out. But that, that, that that's not the Caps' fault. It, it's just the Saints. Yeah. They they gambled on Bailey. They gambled on Bird, and and some of the guys that they were counting on to really step up in year two imploded. <laughs> um, so, but you know, and offensively. You know, the, the the crappy cap situation they were in turned turned in the number one offense in the NFL. So, yeah. yes, Drew Brees is declining, but I, I'm in full agreement here. Let's let's worry about Brees cutting down on the turnovers this year. Let's worry about them getting a cornerback that's going to be halfway decent on the other side of Keenan Lewis. And let's worry about them uh, get, hitting gold with that 13th overall pick. And the rest will take care of itself. And listen – the NFC South was garbage last year. It's not going to – the NFC South, if you get to 10 wins, you're winning the division. So it's not – I mean – You yeah, hope. They, you hope. 
What's that? I said you hope that ten wins wins the division. You d- you think you think Tampa with whoever they pick number one is flipping mm-hmm. around, and you think Atlanta you never know or Carolina. No I mean, I don't. The one thing the one thing I know is that in the NFC South, it's uh, it's chaos. Know, but I just yeah, I just nobody ever wins two times in a row, and uh, the except for the except left. for the Panthers who just did. Right. No, I know. Andrew, if I said they, if, they I, barely won. if I said to you right now. The 2015 Saints can go 10 and 6. Sign on the dotted line or take what's behind door number two. What do you do? Oh, I'm, we're talking about a 7 and 9 team here. Of course, I'm going to take 10 and 6. I, I would take it because 10 and 6 almost assuredly gets you in the playoffs with at least a wild card and look, then maybe wins the division. But I don't think you can sit here and say 10 and 6 definitely wins the division. Look, as a fan, I just want to throw this out real quick. As a fan base, like I realized that we won the Super Bowl in 2009 and that was awesome. And that opened a door to a whole new level of expectations that as fans we had never tapped into before. But the reality is right now we are rooting for a seven and nine team. So 10 and six is a huge turnaround. And that's something that we would should all be happy about. That should not be a disappointment of, man, they didn't get the one seed. I don't know if we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, obviously, first of all, you get in the playoffs. Who knows what happens? Andrew, Andrew, but ten I would, and six, like I would be happy with that right now I as a fan. I, Andrew, I would argue they're worse than seven and nine. I would argue the Saints were six, nine, and were gifted win number seven. Yeah, I agree. Because if yeah. Tampa wanted to win that game, they don't six won that and game. ten. Yep. So they're, you know, they're if pretty. They did, if they didn't pull all their best players, the Saints are six and not and ten. Throw right. the ball. Right. <laughs> um. Dave, Anthony Davis just scored 43 points, so this is a good question, and I know wow, you love basketball. Really? Do you think the Saints should sign Anthony Davis in case the basketball thing doesn't work out? Well, the basketball thing is definitely going to work out for Anthony Davis, but um, you know, I don't think we hear enough about how Jimmy Graham used to play basketball, so I would yeah. love to have another guy on the team uh, that Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth could reference as a former basketball player, and he's able to go up and get those those jump balls, you know. Drew Brees can just throw the ball where only Anthony Davis could catch it and come down with it. If you could only get one player on the Pelicans to play on the Saints, which one would you pick? It would be Anthony Davis. I don't know. I feel like he's too tall and thin. I I would go with Tyreek Evans. I feel like he's a pretty good athlete. Plus, I can't name anybody else on the team. Tyreek Evans would be a good football player, I think. Here's a great question from Super Saiyan Saint. I choose Coupon just because I like that nickname. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> Are the Saints going to keep cutting players until all names Ralph can pronounce are gone? Well, Akeem <laughs> Hicks is still on the team. Yeah. So we're safe there. We're safe there. I can butcher I can butcher names like no other. They'd have to cut like probably I mean there's only like six guys that I can definitely pronounce their names. Yeah, and Kasima Ke- Ke- Etabali is still on the team. Oh, yeah. We're we're golden, man. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Okay, Andrew, what horror movie would you least like to be stuck in? Uh, I actually have an answer for this one. You do a, a, a movie? I, a movie question that I would actually answer. Well, I think as a kid, Nightmare on Elm Street was, I mean, I loved it, but it was terrifying to me because the idea of falling asleep and, you know, kind of getting messed with while you're unconscious, so to speak, um, kind of terrified me. So Freddy Krueger was like, I I would literally as a kid be afraid to go to sleep thinking that Freddy Krueger was going to get me while I was asleep. Dave, 
What's your answer? Did we lose Dave? No, I'm here. What's your answer? Uh, mine, I think mine would have to be like Saw. Like, Ooh, like yeah, being in a position like where you're going to be tortured and you know what's coming and you can't do anything about it. You're physically restrained. I have, I have a real big fear of like not being able to move, like either being buried alive or or any, 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 you know, being crushed, um, in an earthquake, all those, but still being alive. Um, like those situations scare the ever loving shit out of me. When I used to play hockey and, you know, and you'd win a big game or whatever, and, and you'd always like run off the bench and skate onto the goalie to the net and like do a huge pile on. Like it was this one time where I was like on the bottom and I couldn't move. Oh, I have two. Nobody I, was there, but that shit freaks. I, I freaked out. I bugged I have, the fuck out. I have two answers. Uh, I like Dave's answer a lot better than mine. <laughs> being in the pit in Silence of the Lambs with Buffalo of Bill would scare the shit out of me. He, you know, yeah. put the lotion in the basket and get the hose. You don't know what pain is. Like that would scare the shit out of me. But the the, the movie that would scare me the most. If I was in love, actually, and had to listen to Hugh Grant just drone on and on and on, and watch Liam Neeson not, not that is that is, horror, that is a horror. That is a. Yeah, and it, my wife. Speaking I, of Liam Neeson, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be in any movie where I'm involved in kidnapping his daughter. Yes, yes, you wouldn't want to be there. Um, he just makes the same fucking movie over and over and over and over and over again, and I guess people go see them. Uh. Dave, who I put the so. meth in Loomis's glass? Was it Rita to feed the insanity charge? <laughs> who put the meth? Why, why is he saying that? Because I don't he's know. been so good in free agency, I guess. Yeah. Uh, none of this is, should be surprising to any Saints fan worth his salt. So I, I certainly don't think Loomis is on meth. He might be a little wasted, but uh, not meth. Uh, we did this. Uh, since it seems like everyone on D... Uh, Andrew's expendable. Will we be replacing them with players more suited for the three-four? Is this a question for me? Yeah. Like, in terms of like replacing Lofton. Yeah. Are they going to try to get more three-four oriented because they kind of been like. Middle? You know, I mean, the the thing is, I I feel like the the square peg is Junior Gallet. Like I, I still just don't think he's a guy that can really be a three-four outside linebacker. So they've kind of made him like this. He's sort of a linebacker, but he's always rushing the passer. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's really become more of a, of a nickel defense anyway, where Vicaro is basically a linebacker slash nickel guy. Um, and if they have two safeties behind them. So I don't know what this hybrid defense is, but honestly, they've invested in Junior Gallette long term. And I think until he's gone, they can't ever really be a 3 4 defense. All right, fun. This isn't a question from anybody. This is my question before we get out of here. Uh, we'll have the podcast next week because we do it every Monday. Dave, will the Saints have made one or two moves that we talk ourselves into as being awesome when we have this podcast next week? Um, future moves, one or two moves that I predict will happen that we're going to think is awesome. Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have a player, but, um, you know, one of them has to be either cornerback or linebacker. I mean, I would say they're going to they're gonna go out and sign. I, I'll, I'll tell you what is going to 
like I said earlier in the podcast, the one thing that's going to happen is they're going to go and sign some guy that we all thought was out of our price range that we would never get. Um, so I won't give you two. I'll give you one, and it'll be it'll be something like that. It's either going to be some great cornerback or some great linebacker that everybody thought was uh, out of our range, but we we pulled the trigger anyway. Andrew? Uh, I totally missed that question. You're going to have to ask you, me again. Do, do you think <laughs> when we come on the air next week, uh-huh. will the Saints have made a couple of moves that we are pumped about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, look, there's a plan, and I'm, I'm with Dave. I, I think I just can't see them getting rid of Pierre Thomas, getting rid of Lofton, and then just saying, yeah, we're going with a bunch of rookies. You know, I, I really do think they're going to need to be conscientious, conscientious about finding veteran guys that can fit into the locker room, that can be a good influence on some of these younger guys. Um, so I think that's going to happen. I think we'll feel better about things. I mean, right now, if you look at the roster, they've brought back Ingram, they've lost PT, they've lost Lofton. Um, so things aren't looking too great. Um, yeah. And they're, they're going to have to go into this uh, free agency period and, and improve the roster because right now it's worse. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think they're going to make any moves – tomorrow because of free agent early but i think they're going to go and get a corner but it's going to happen like saturday sunday saturday sunday or monday while we're on this podcast because that's how it usually goes either they break the news right probably right after i upload the podcast monday they'll sign like uh tremont williams from green bay or something they're, but they're going to have to wait until all the teams go nuts on the corners and pay them eight to eleven million and then they're gonna have to pick over the next tier of guys. That's wh- whoever that whoever that tier is that's left. But I think they'll do that probably late next week, late in the week, or or like Monday or Tuesday. I'll I'll say they'll do it, and it'll be breaking news. Andrew will break it during the podcast. It'll be Tremont Williams of Green Bay. Two years, eleven million. We did break Jared Jared's bird during the podcast last so year. So I'm going to say Tremont Williams, two years, eleven million. Like, like, uh, well, no, they probably could. It probably have to be longer than that to spread out the bonus because they have cap issues. So it'd probably be like three years, like fifteen million or something, to where they can spread the sign-in bonus out and have a low hit the first year. Um, so that wraps up the podcast. Go to Canal Street Chronicles. Dave's got all your free agency stuff. Andrew's breaking down who they're cutting, doing all that stuff. And we're going to end. Oh, and Kevin, as always, is on Tinder. Donate. We need your money for the computer. Please do. Donate whatever you can. We're going to end on this note. My wife, huge Dolphin fan, she made a rap slash Beastie Boys homage about Indomitian Sue signing with the Dolphins. She was so excited. So that will play us on the way out. So for Dave, for Andrew, I'm Ralph. Uh, until next week. Until next week, be well. Hashtag body bag. A boy named Sue. Aggressive and dirty play comes to Miami. A hundred and fourteen million. Let it flow like a mudslide. Sixty million guaranteed. Can't run on that. Largest contract by a defensive player. Sorry, JJ. Here comes the R and R. Restructured or released. Look out, Wake, Grimes, and Albert. Mammoth money. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. 
Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.